Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. And um, this is this comes out New Year's Day. Happy New, New Year! Yeah. <laughs> this is our first episode of 2020. Yes. That's crazy. It's the last and first. Last of the decade and the first of the new decade. Because we're recording well, it. We, yes, we're recording it in 2019. Exactly. So we're coming to you from the past. Exactly. <laughs> from last year. Um, that's weird. I didn't even think about that. I knew it was coming out on New Year's, but I didn't think like, whoa, mm-hmm. 2020. Whew, crazy. Um, well, how was your Christmas? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Do you like your present that you're currently wearing? <laughs> uh, that's right. No, I have new headphones. I'm very happy. They're cool. Yes. Just have to get used to them. I had these old Sony. I don't even know how they had to be over ten. Actually, they I'm 10 sure years you've old. complained about them on here before. Well, it's not that. It's just that they're they're falling apart. The mm-hmm. I think we did talk. Did we talk about that? Like how I'm it was? pretty sure we did. All right. Well, I mean, they still did the job. I'm not against it, but I yeah. got I got new uh, new headphones for Christmas. Thank you to your. Was that you or your mom? No, it's your mom. Well, I'm the one who found it. So. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you're going to get a pair of these two, I believe, so. Oh, well, I'm down for that. I mean, I'm just using my brother's right now, but. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, it was a fun time. Yeah, you? What did you get? Um, I got a sloth tea infuser for loose leaf tea <laughs> that right. I'm so excited about. And it was great. I, like, took a, a time-lapse video of it, like, <laughs> infusing. It was really cool. Um, and, of course, sloths, which are, like, the best, so. Well, your spirit animal. There may be a little bit of a sloth theme today, so. Oh god. Um, yeah, and then I finally got, <laughs> finally got those LED lights that people on on TikTok put in their rooms, and yes, I know TikTok's so cringe, but like they're so cool, and now I'm going to be a TikTok girl without TikTok. Yeah, just a girl. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, it's already a high bar. <laughs> And then I also got some really nice candles from my favorite Etsy shop. They're called Frostbeard. Check them out. They have like book scents. Like I got one that was just bookstore and it sent, It smells like mahogany and leather and like uh, coffee. And it smells so good. They have like a Sherlock one. They have all the fun. Oh, it's amazing. Definitely <laughs> check them out. They're my favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, we got, I, it was a nice Christmas. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh, speaking of Christmas things, um, let me just cross that off the list. Checking it once, checking it twice, moving on. <laughs> uh, on Christmas Eve, we finally played this board game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we've had for a year now. I'm pretty sure. I think you got it I got last it for Christmas. you last, yeah, for you, yeah. And we played, he got me two. One of them was called Mysterium, which we played a couple times. I think we talked about it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of them was called uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill which kind of irks me because there's a the that's missing. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not angry. Um, but both games are very, like, ooky, spooky, um, sort of, like, adventure games. 
Yeah, there's um, definitely a role playing yes. component to that. Yeah, both. this one, I think we've already talked about Mysterium. If not, then I can just talk about it next episode. But this one is basically like you spend half of the game discovering this old house. Um, and then at one point, somebody like uh, uh, triggers the haunt part where everybody's suddenly like either against each other or against something else. Or um, it just becomes from like a, an exploring game to like a defense game or an object yeah game. no it's, it's really cool it's it's basically like you said two parts but the yeah. um and, and when you the way you describe this, the discovery piece is that because you start with a black blank canvas and then yeah. you basically discover you, like, rooms assemble your, right? it's, it's different every time you like you draw different cards that like show uh what rooms you discovered and you can make so many different like types of houses and stuff it's really cool and it took me maybe three reads of the instructions to get how it worked. Well, I mean, it's complicated, but I get, I understand why. I think the harder part is that now playing it once, it's it yeah, makes complete like we sense. sort of like yeah. walked through it as we were doing it. But it's it's in a way, it's a Dungeons and Dragons kind of game. But you don't have to do all the complexity of creating your characters. Most of that's already done for you. Yeah, you just like pick right, one. and then um, and then I mean, it's not as if there's a true dungeon master, but somebody is definitely kind of leading it but that part where the, when the haunt begins mm-hmm. that's where it's interesting because there's multiple storylines depending yes. on it's how sort of it's like picked. a choose your own adventure yeah. like based yeah. on like where your character is like when you start the haunt like it changes what haunt it is and right, right. it's really cool some stuff like so, that. so yeah I, it, it's good and it, and it it's definitely takes time so it's a it's a mm-hmm. game that you have to be invested in because it's at it's least like an hour long a, an hour and a half and i think at a minimum yeah, the box has an hour but like we were also trying to figure it out. Yeah, it but I think it's that part of when the haunt begins, depending yeah. on how that all goes down. But yeah, I, I, it's a good game. I think it's a good group game. So I think when you yes, have... You um, it's a good play with some friends. And yeah. it says three to six players, but like you can always do teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that was that game. And then, of course, like Mysterium, but we already kind of talked about that before. If not, we'll talk about it later. But check it out. It's really fun. Uh, good Christmas game. <laughs> uh, brings the family together, you know? Yeah, no, it's good. It's cool because it's not one of those things where you individually are trying to win. Yeah. You have like to you work as, as a team. team. Right. And I mean, not that Sometimes it it's against other players. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's not. So it, it's, it, it makes it a little bit more, um, well, again, it's that team oriented and, and you're striving for mm-hmm. a common goal. Uh, so you're not always going to get super competitive and yeah. and depending on your mood, just be a pain in the ass. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and as it is the winter break, we had ample time to watch a lot of TV. Well, yes. Um, we binge watched a bit. Oh, yeah. We, we started and finished Lost in Space in like two days. That's true. Yeah. Which season two. Oh, my God. I, it, it's better <laughs> so than season good. one. And I mean, season one was well done, but this... I think this season we got to know the characters a lot more in depth i feel like it was yeah because no, i no. think it was focused more on like you know the robot and the planet and stuff like that the sciencey thing or it's there's still yeah. science no things, i but think you're right you're i feel spot like we on. got to like have some episodes that were like focused in on characters well, i think they all i think the character arc for um most of i mean the kids really than anything else i, so. I feel like i learned a lot about um penny and, oh, i was gonna uh, say judy yeah penny and judy i think those are the two yeah Penny's still my favorite of all time. She's my favorite. I yeah. just, I relate to her so much. But I think that, that, the, yeah, this year. And, and Don, I mean, not his backstory as I much. I love him so much. But Don is great, yeah. He's yeah. the best. He reminds me of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, so Lost in Space was really good. And hopefully there's going to be a season three because I need to know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah, you should. Uh, we just, wa- we, I mean, we had already watched the series, but there's on uh, Netflix has a, um, a season recap by the ca- by yes. all the actors. That, it's on YouTube or something, right? Yeah. It, well, I think it's just, it might be, I maybe, I don't know if it's on the Netflix actual Lost in Space they... page, if they have like trailers, because they do trailers and more oh, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you should watch that if you um, just want to get, uh, remember it all. But it's funny. <laughs> it's great. And, in a way, it was better to actually watch it after we saw it because it just yes. <laughs> it just meant it was good. It's good. Yeah. Um, and there's a recap at the beginning of season two anyway That's true, that yeah. helped because yeah. we were like, what What it's even happened in that yeah. season? It's totally been a while. Um, so definitely check that out if you haven't. I hope all of you have. Yeah. Well, if you haven't. <laughs> and I mean, we're just you, old news. <laughs> then you're psyched because you get to get two seasons in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we finished The Mandalorian. Yes, we did. It was so good. Just the opening <laughs> scene. <laughs> We were all cracking up. And it was because Taika Waititi directed it. He that did, we, yes. we were like, well, of course. Yes, it is. It, you, it's great. That, that opening scene is in Star Wars canon, probably <laughs> so perfect. And the two actors, we don't want to give anything away, but the two actors who play the uh, characters in the opening scene, oh, it's great. It's oh, just great. So, I, so great. Please. Oh, so amazing. Um yeah, so The Mandalorian was good. Good wrap-up, I think. Yeah, I think they, and, it was like just a great first season. Yeah, didn't you say they confirmed season two? Oh, yeah. he. I think, um, yes, he did, not till fall of next year. Of course. But I think he's wait. already written a bunch of it. Oh, good. So, I mean, the beauty about this is that I think there is a story arc. I think he has a plan of the space wild As opposed wild to what, yeah. what your yeah. review of The Rise of Skywalker Fair was. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were watching, I feel like we already talked about The Witcher, but you finished oh, it. Oh, I finished The Witcher, yeah. So I think, yeah, we did maybe be brought up, but um, I, I went in with actually low expectations because people were kind of saying... I think we watched before, we watched the trailer before it came out and you were like, that doesn't look good at all. No, I, well, I think my problem was that um, I know nothing about it and I think that might be a benefit. So for folks who've read the books or, or even played the game... Um, maybe they'll they'll be their purest to it, and they may say that's why it sucks. So for me, I just like a good fantasy mm-hmm. adventure, and this one it had everything I wanted. I mean, it just was. I, I like the characters. I like the story. I mean, it, it's not you know the cerebral <laughs> place where you're playing this six dimensional chess and kind of thing. But the thing that was crazy is that there's three different timelines. So. Because there's three characters and just their storylines, you have to pay attention to understand where they are and what the, what the timeline is. But um, I liked it. And even your mom liked it, which was because she's, you know, I, I know people, are, they said it's the Netflix's Game of Thrones and all this other stuff. But, um, and again, I didn't read the Game of Thrones books either, but I felt Don't. Game of Thrones was They're so, so crazy. And, it, you know, I needed an encyclopedia or whatever to just follow everything. This you don't have to worry so much about every family, this and that, everything else. It's a little bit more straightforward. And um, I I liked it and I'm happy and I can't wait to see the next season. So, um, but yeah, that was another binge watch that we did over the break, or at least I did over the break. But yeah, I enjoyed it. So yeah. And I mean, I've seen episodes here and there and I liked it too from what I saw. Um, Yeah. And then I think we just watched uh, the three episodes of, don't fuck with cats. Oh my god! Wow. And I know you knew the story. I knew yes, nothing about the story. It's all about uh, Luca Bagnata. Yeah. Who I don't know. I might cover him later. Oh, 
that's just so much to get into. What's, I don't know. What's so? I mean, I I have a different opinion on on the whole. Just you should watch it. It's actually a good. It, to me, it's a it's like a book club documentary to watch because it, it, it's weird to me on the detective folks on yes. their view. Like, you kept I, pausing it to tell us yeah, your I, I was like, what the? But um, the thing that's also weird about it is I don't remember any of that. I'm just trying to think what I was doing in 2010. Yeah, I was like 2010 to 2014 or something. Yeah, and I'm just trying to remember where I was work-wise and where my head was at. Because, I mean, I would have just thought that it would have been bigger news to me just because of the things I read and listen mm-hmm. to. So, um, Understandably, I knew nothing about it at the time. I was in middle school. <laughs> well, fair enough. But again, I just... It, it's weird. It's interesting. So I like that part of it because I knew nothing about it. I know for people who probably know the story, you'll be like, yeah, 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 whatever. I know, I know, blah, blah, blah. So I liked it. I have to say, I know the story. Like, I've heard multiple people cover it. And there were stuff there was stuff in there that I just didn't know or didn't remember and was really shocking to me. So I feel like even if you know the case, it's definitely good to watch. Well, I give credit to the, you know, the writer, the director. Um, the way they, they laid it out, I kind of like. But then I feel in that third episode... They're, they're playing this kind of weird, you know, without, you know, not to make a pun out of it, this cat and mouse kind of game thing mm-hmm. where I was like, all right, you know, I, I understand you're trying to build to this piece. But the first episode I really that thought was really was well good. done. But it, I, I think it's worth watching. If you know the story, um, it'd be great to hear your take on it. Mm-hmm. If it, you're just kind of like, yeah. But for folks who've no, who know nothing about it, I, I think you're just like, what the? Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, that's... Mostly like the TV show things we watched. All of those were TV shows. That's so weird. We didn't really watch any movies. Well, series, yeah. yeah. We just watched last night, Zombieland. <laughs> for me, the first time. Yeah. Um, and I loved it, of course. It was so funny. It's good. It's, it, it, I just remember that. I mean, I keep forgetting again how old it is. But uh, Is it that old? I think it's 10 years old, right? 2008, 9. I, wow. I thought it was, but I might be wrong. Because Emma Stone wasn't a star yet. Because... She had done this, and then she did Easy A. Oh, wow. That kind of put her on the map. I mean, she also did Super Bad, I believe. So there was a, a few, and then, you know, the Spider-Man came and all those other things. But, um, I mean, Easy A, I think, was the one that put her on the map. But And now it, we have to wait till January 21st to rent the second one. That's right. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> that wait. Um but, but yeah, I, it, was it was exciting. Good. It was really good, and I would absolutely watch it again. <laughs> um, and I just started watching uh, You on Netflix, which I didn't know if it was going to be any good because it's like one of those shows that's yeah. like kind of gossip girly, kind of like that kind of thing. Um, it wasn't. I think I'm, I might just be saying that because uh, what's his name is in it, and he's also in Gossip Girl. Um, but it's good. It's it's doing that thing where. It, it makes you root for, like, one part of you is kind of rooting for uh, the the main guy who's, you know, a stalker awful person. And they don't even hide that from you, it's obvious. And then the other part of you is like, wait, no, 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 this guy's awful to get him away. And there's just a lot of layers. And it was a lot better than I was expecting. Yeah, I, I, I've only heard, I remember there was like uh, some controversy to it, but I... Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, I think I it was because of that where they... Like they were, it looked like they were trying to do like a Hannibal Lecter thing where you're going to root for him, but you just like, you keep in mind that he's a bad guy. Right. But I think there's that aspect of, do you glamorize the Mm -hmm. stalker? Again, I don't, I haven't, I don't remember if it was clickbait 
for when they were doing most of the stuff that they were saying, and I hadn't seen it. But I feel like it doesn't really glamorize him because I'm still hating well, him. Well, you're watching it, so you know you know more than I do, and I, and I He's think... He's very Ted Bundy, though. Very Ted Bundy. Like, there are some shots where I'm like, wait a minute, that that face is exactly... It's it's creepy. Hmm. Well, I, again, I've heard good reviews, and I heard the second season's supposed to be unbelievable, too, so... I heard kind of bad things about the second season, but really? I'm not even there yet. I'm on episode, oh, like, four. Oh, I thought they were saying that... Some people were saying it's kind of a mess, but... Oh, I don't. Well, again, I really don't. Know. I, don't I only know. just started watching. Hey, you're you're watching it, not so, me. So I I, I'll, I'll I will defer to you your guys. review. There we go. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like it's always you know this shows you discover and I'm just <laughs> watching them with you. So this is the one show I'm yeah, watching by cool. myself. Um, and then you have a lot of Liverpool news. Well, I think it's the end of the um, end of the decade, right? So. Uh, we had two games this week. We played the team that was in second place, and we at the time we were eleven points above them, with or maybe ten points above them with a game in hand, and uh, we won. <laughs> and we won dramatically. We beat Leicester City four nil. It was one of those games where we had just come back from the world, the the FIFA World Cup uh, Championship or Team World Cup, I should say. And so people are saying, well, is this like, you know, one of those banana peel games where, you know, you, you've come back, but they were saying, well, they will they have the momentum. But it was one of the most comprehensive wins, one of our best. I loved every minute of it. We took it to him. It was awesome. Trent Alexander-Arnold, he is a scouser born and bred in Liverpool, has been a Liverpool fan since he was super, you know, since he, I think he was in the academy since he was uh, nine or something. Actually, he did one of those decade things, beginning and end decade, and they show him in, you know, the Liverpool Academy kit, and then in this decade oh, with his Champions League. That's amazing. Him. But um, he had two assists and a goal, and it was, I, I don't know, it, we just crushed him. So that put us 13 points ahead with a game in hand. So if we win that game in hand, we could have been 16 points. And then yesterday we played Wolves as for the last game, and uh, we won one nothing. But that was like complete opposite of that the Leicester game. And Wolves had come off an incredible win over City to knock City fourteen points behind us. So it's um, you know it's it's something to be this far ahead. Remember we we're talking about happy days, early days kind of yeah. thing. But seasons ended. We are half. We've played half the season. Um, other teams have again have played twenty. We played nineteen. And we have a total of 55 out of 57 points. We've only dropped two points. Wow. 18 wins, one tie, still undefeated. Um, we've won, I think, 17 in a row at home. I mean, it's just incredible for the way this to, to be where we are. But it's still not over. Like, I mean, I'm still like, hey, anything can happen. You know, we, we get injuries, whatever it may be. But that Wolves game yesterday, oh, my God, it was crazy tough. There were... Um, you know, VAR issues where we had a goal disallowed and then they checked it, then they gave us the goal, then they scored right away, um, then VAR checked and they disallowed their goal. So For the it, Wolves, yeah. For the Wolves. So, you know, we won with one nothing, and So there was like this kind of ugliness around the game. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I was like, yeah, we won. I was kind of like... You were even saying, like, just give them the goal. Like, they deserve I, well, it. Well, the, 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 the offside call was so close that I was kind of like... I don't know how you call I mean, we've had the same calls go against us, so I get it. And I mean, it's offside. I mean, technically, that's how it works. You're offside, you're offside. But um, but it, 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 I was hoping we would have a little bit, show a little bit more because um, Wolves had less one less extra day and they still looked, 
you know, they were hungry. And I mean, was it a deserved win? Yeah, we had multiple chances. We should have been put three goals away early, but uh, but I can't believe I'm complaining about it. This could be it. I mean, this could be the year. And I am. It it is something I, to be a Liverpool fan. You know, you may never. This is this could be that one off. We'll never see the season again. So, but I'm happy living it. Um, it's been since 1990 since they won the title. So hey, hopefully we keep going. But yeah, so we finished the year. On the high note, so there we are. <laughs> All right. Well, that's very positive for now. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, I think that's all we have for our introduction. Yeah. And you're doing? I'm doing encrypted. All right. I got true crime. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. So I always forget, but uh, this time I'm going to start with my sources. <laughs> Um, so I even put a little reminder to myself <laughs> before my story. So I used Wikipedia a lot, uh, the cryptid Wikipedia, um, all that's interesting. Uh, New York Times, Exemplor, uh, Rainforest Cruises has a jungle blog that I used. Oh, cool. Uh, which is kind of, you know, getting some, some, what's it called? Insight on what my story might be about. <laughs> uh, and I used phantoms and monsters as well. All right. So those are my sources. I remembered Great. Good on me. <laughs> um, so, uh, the Mapinguari has been called the Bigfoot of the Amazon and shares a few similarities with the Sasquatch and the Yeti. How do you what, say the name again? Mapinguari or Mapinguari. I'm not quite sure which is one it, uh, is. Is it just spell it real quick? Uh, M-A-P-I-N-G-U-A-R-I. Okay. I, the website I, I, said Mappingwari. Yeah, no, no, no. I just, I couldn't, I don't know if there was that G as the part I was trying to Yeah, the G is weird, but oh, cool. it's saying right. like ing. All right, so this is the... The Bigfoot of the Amazon. Of the Amazon. All right, so South American, all right? Yes, uh, mostly like Brazil. Okay. So uh, this creature has its own uniqueness, um, which we're about to get into. Buckle up, because although this creature moves pretty slowly, it's a wild ride. <laughs> like I was saying, sloth. I hear it. So the Mappingwari has been described to look like an enormous sloth <laughs> mixed with a bear. Not to be confused with sloth bears, okay. which live in India and right. look like not like this at all. All right. Um, so this creature is native to South America, particularly Brazil, but, you know, pretty much just the Amazon rainforest. Okay. Um, like I was saying in my introduction, the mapping warrior moves slowly like a sloth, but possesses some features that are very unsloth-like. Okay. For example, uh, the creature has been described to be over seven feet tall when standing on its hind legs. Okay. Wow. It's pretty tall. Yeah. Uh, its fur is matted and reddish, or in some places, black. Uh, in color. Okay. Um, and it has long claws that curl inwards as it crawls on all fours. All right. So it, okay. So it doesn't walk on, it's, it's, it's no. a f- four. And Some, is it, are the claws, I mean, are they sloth like? Uh, I think like, so. I think so they're they like three? long claw. I don't know if they're have the number, but I just know that they have claws. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but the, the, the descriptions kind of vary. Some of them, like, um, I'm going to talk about, like, a statue later, mm-hmm. and it's upright. It looks sort of, like, humanoid, um, and one of the descriptions has, like, backwards feet. Oh. Um, so that's a little bit different, right. and it has it more, like, more 
ape resembling than a sloth. Okay. Um, so it kind of differs, but same sort of like big hairy monster. All right. Um, and its fur covers an exoskeleton uh, that makes the creature basically bullet and arrow proof. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's not that's not the worst part, um, which I'll get into in a second. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so if you encounter a Mapinwari, according, uh, to Domingos Parintintin, uh, who's a tribal leader in the state of Amazonas, uh, quote, the only way you can kill a Mapinwari is by shooting at its head, but that is hard to do because it has powers that can make you dizzy and turn day into night. So the best thing to do if you see one is climb a tree and hide. Huh. Yeah, and that's the only time its powers are really mentioned. All right. But, you know, run away. But are they, I mean, is it one of those things where they're actually, is it man encroaching on the Ye- mapping worries? Yes. Um, territory. Territory or vice versa? Or is it now that, you know. Well, they pretty much stay in the woods, like, you know, right. checking for food. All right. So they're not just like coming into villages, like killing and then going out. Not really. Like, no. All right. All right. All right. Um, so... Another way that the mapping wari is described is as having, quote, one eye, long claws, came in skin, and backward feet. You mean came in um, alligator skin? Yeah. Huh. Which is very weird. Yeah. Um, and then the thing that is consistent through all of these descriptions. Like the, Cayman's crocodile. Sorry. Crocodile. Just want to make sure. Oh, I would not know the Yeah, fair enough. Um, so the thing that's common through all of these descriptions is probably maybe the weirdest feature of this. Okay. It has a second mouth on its stomach, oh. <laughs> and it's big enough to swallow a human. Now I feel like we're in D&D world. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, I should look up if they have some kind of creature. Like I'm that. pretty sure they do. Well, we can check after. All right. Um, so a foul odor is said to be given off by the mapping wari, uh, and you can tell when it's near because you'll smell this awful smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's being just it's been described as being that of garlic and fetid peccary and okay. peccary is like our type of pig thing they're called skunk pigs okay uh okay well yeah they didn't even say when i looked them up that um they gave off any bad smell they're just called skunk pigs well there must be a reason either it's because they have a stripe or i mean i looked them up they don't have stripes then all right well, <laughs> they're really know. small they're like tiny pigs okay apparently they used to be used in sacrifices by like the mayans or something okay <laughs> so fun fact um so also some say that um the creature is surrounded by a cloud of flying beetles okay which could be like following the scent or something yep uh-huh. um uh its roar is said to be as loud as thunder of course all right um and you know it it usually stays like on all fours but when it stands up you see that giant stomach oh my god <laughs> Um, so, you know, if, if you're in its path, watch out, uh, you could be second food. Um, so it feeds on whatever it can find. It's carnivorous. Um, obviously it's got two mouths and they're Mm -hmm. pretty sharp teethed. So that kind of thing. All right. Um, so you might be thinking, what does the name Mapinwari even mean? Well, I have an answer for you. All right. It means roaring animal. And in some cases, it also means fetid beast. Okay, well, all right. This is the second time I've had to use the word fetid in this say, story, yeah. and I had to look up the pronunciation because I don't think I've ever said that out 
loud before. <laughs> so, you know, I hope I'm doing well. <laughs> uh, so some other names for this creature uh, are the Cape Lobo, which means wolf's cape. Um, the Mangepalo, which is pestle hand. Um, I had to look up all these translations. Hmm. I don't know if I'm saying them right. Um, the Pejagarafa, uh, which is bottle foot. And the Juma, which doesn't have a meaning. It's just the Juma. Um, and um, also just uh, Bisho, which Google said means bug. However, uh, Bisho Pregisa means sloth in Portuguese. So. so it could have been just a nickname for the... Yeah. Yeah, right. All right. Um, so there's that. Um, according to legend, the Mapungari was originally an Amazonian shaman. Uh, and he discovered the key to immortality thousands of years ago. By becoming a sloth? Well, he f- no, he just found it. So this key to immortality uh, angered the gods a lot. And so uh, they decided to transform him into the Mapping Wari, uh, which was cursed to wander the forests for the rest of his life. Okay. Now, the thing I don't understand is how there came to be multiple which apparently there are. In some cases, people think there's more. So either like they also turned his family into mapping warriors or something, or people just keep discovering the key to immortality and they have to keep, you know, <laughs> turning oh, them into okay. these Turn, creatures. Right. Um, so I, I'd like to think that the key to immortality is just really badly hidden. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the story. Okay. Um, and... That statue I was talking about um, has been erected in the in the state of Acre in a public plaza, uh, and I have a picture of it which I'll be posting. And it's um, standing on two legs. Yes, okay. and I'm pretty sure it has backwards feet. Um, and the stomach. It does have the stomach, <laughs> and it's only got one eye, so it's All that. Right, so. It's like sort of mashing up different descriptions because right. it has fur, uh, not caiman skin. And is it in in why that area? Is there? I do not know. I couldn't find that much information about it. But, okay, fair enough. Um, so one can tell when a mapping war has been near. Uh, the brush and vegetation of the forest will be like trampled and destroyed in like a pathway leading to where the mapping war currently is. Okay. Um, you probably don't want to follow though because <laughs> the mapping war, quote, does not flee human contact but aggressively hunts down the hunter. <laughs> so yeah um maybe best not to go after Fair enough. Uh, according to brazilian novelist slash playwright uh marcio souza uh the mapping wari quote gets revenge on people who transgress who go where they shouldn't or har- harvest more animals or plants than they can consume or set cruel traps hmm. so, so greed yeah so it seems like a kind of like a great great good great creature yeah (laughs) i don't know why i got like stuck in words there (laughs) um so there have been a couple sightings of course um actually not a couple there have been a lot and enough to actually get scientists down to like look for this creature Hmm. Um, but i'm only gonna talk about a couple because you know we only have so much time fair enough uh so 33 year old uh giovaldo caricciana uh claims that he saw a mapping wari in 2010 uh, while hunting in the jungle near, quote, the cave of Mapingwari, uh, which is the title of this cave that his tribe has named. Okay. So according to him, uh, quote, 
It was coming towards the village, making a big noise. It stopped when it got near me. That's when the bad smell made me dizzy and tired. I fainted, and when I came to, the Mapinguari was gone. Hmm. Uh, his father, Lucas, confirmed his story, saying that when he uh, like got his son and uh, took him back to... Um, or when his son took him back to where like he saw the yeah. creature, yeah. Uh, there was a cleared pathway, quote, as if a boulder had rolled through and knocked down all the trees and vines. Huh, okay. So, that's one story. So, something. Yeah. Uh, and then, 76-year-old Joao Batista Azevedo, maybe, mm-hmm. um, also has a sighting of the Mapimari. Uh, which occurred in 1993 during a 45-day canoe ride. Jesus. Wow. Well, I mean, if it's the Amazon. That's true, but 45 days in a canoe? Well, I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, they're camping and... That's true. That's true. Anyway, (laughs) uh, quote, I was working by the river when I heard a scream, a horrible scream. Suddenly, something that looking like a man came out of the forest, all covered in hair. He was walking on two legs, and thank God he did not come toward us. I will always remember that day. But there, there was a lot of people on the, in the party, so. Yeah, so huh. I'm sure multiple people saw this, but still. Yeah. And then this is, uh, this one, I'm not quite sure if I believe it, because uh, the one thing that is kind of weird is it happened in Georgia, United States. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to read it out just because, you know, uh, might as well. But <laughs> Georgia. Um so this is from a guy called Henry. Mhm. Uh quote, one autumn, I caught sight of a large animal moving through the cypress trees of the swampy area that borders one of the fields I work. I was working the field at the time and noticed the movement. It was late afternoon and still light out. The animal was huge, hairy, and walked on all fours, but I did see it rear up once. It reminded me of a black bear, but much larger and lighter in color. I was about 200 yards away from it, but I still had a good look. I know for a fact that this was not a bear. I've seen black bears in the Okifinoki, and this didn't look like one of those at all. I later saw a picture of an animal, a Mapinguari, that is supposed to be a legend. I swear that is what I saw. Have you heard of this animal? This is on a forum or something. Oh, my God. (laughs) I haven't seen it since, but there have been a lot of cypress trees tore up lately, and I'm wondering if it has been causing it. Some people have said for many years that there is a swamp, that there are swamp bears in Ware County, but I never paid it no mind until now. All right. (laughs) Whatever. I'm sorry. I don't really believe this guy. Well, he saw something. It was probably a bear. 200 yards so i don't yeah yeah okay do with that what you will but right. he thinks that he saw a map yeah more. okay um so uh biologist and orn ornithologist yeah. i don't know why that took me so many tries which is a bird expert uh uh david Oren has gone to brazil on multiple occasions to search for the map and worry uh on one occasion he collected like hair and 22 pounds of feces yeah uh, and unfortunately, the hair belonged to various small rodents and the feces to giant anteaters. Okay. So, oh well. Um, he's also collected videos of clawed trees. He's recorded, quote, 
minute-long thunderous roars that he believes to be the creatures. Okay. uh, And has made molds of large round footprints with backward-facing claws. Hmm. Which kind of confuses me because I'm imagining, like, footprints that were just sort of backwards. And I'm thinking, like, maybe he was just facing the wrong way. But it depends, right? If there's four... For right. I mean, there was a picture of the cast, and they just looked like, like Bigfoot feet, like right. Normal. But if the front two are forward and the back two are the other way, right. maybe that's what they're talking about. They so. didn't show me the front two, so right. So maybe right. Um, but if it was just two feet, then I might be inclined. Well, there's to think there's that. something right. So I mean, I'm not saying it's something that has a stomach with another mouth, but um, there's a there's a something that makes noise that loud, and that's true in there so it could be it could just be an animal but who knows what animal and well we're gonna get into what animal uh, it could be okay let's go um so scientists like i was saying have gone looking for this creature on multiple occasions but have found no definitive proof that it exists which is you know why it's a cryptid right um and Oren believes that the legend is likely based on giant sloths from the ice age huh and no they look nothing like sid from the ice age movies <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. They don't. Um, so <laughs> this is kind of not related to the story. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of related, but it's not the exact type of sloth that I'm about to talk about. But there is one called Glossotherium. Okay. And its name <laughs> means tongue beast. I don't really know what to do with that information, but I felt like I should be sharing it because <laughs> it's just so <laughs> strange to me. But yeah, that's not the one that they think this is, but... There's a different type of extinct ground sloth called Megatherium. Okay. Uh, which is thought to be the most closely related to Mapinguaris. Okay. If they exist, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so this sloth grew to be about the size of a modern-day African elephant. All right. Pretty big. Um, and what time period? I mean, where, was this when? I say <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, I'm just trying to think where there. I mean, this is during like so mammoths were around. So uh, yeah, I believe so. Then so. there are Neanderthals. Yes, yes, okay. yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. All right. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you've seen like there's this post that like go, has been going around like Instagram, Tumblr. Like somebody posted a picture of like this giant like sloth skeleton, and it's like, whoa, these sloths are so big. I don't know. I've seen it a couple times. It's gotten kind of popular, but that picture of that giant sloth is Megatherium. That, okay. Um, and I have the picture, and I'll post it as well. I have all of these, like, saved so that I can yep. post them. Um, so I'll post that when it comes out. Um, and actually, one Amazonian man told American ethnobiologist Glenn Shepard Jr. that he'd seen a Mapinguari in the wild and in the Natural Ma- History Museum in Lima, Peru. Now, guess what's in the Natural History Museum in Lima, Peru? Uh, that's lost skeleton. Right, right, right. Hmm. So he's saying that they're the same thing. Um, on a slightly grim note, uh, some believe that the mapping Mori can't be real because the deforestation of the Amazon rainforest would have flushed it out by now, which is plausible as a reason. Like you'd have to like force it to go find somewhere else to live, but it's kind of sad that that's a reason like that we could use. I Um, mean, again, it just depends on, um, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So... According to Souza, the author I was mentioning earlier, quote, there would have been some sort of close encounter of the third kind by now. Um, so he thinks that the the Mapinguari is um, like some kind of 
megatherium that exists still or it's just a legend based off of um mankind's first interactions with megatherium right but there's still something that makes noise and i mean i'm not saying it's that i'm just saying that i could understand where the legends if the legends have been passed down Mm -hmm. you know thousands of years or whatever it is from that first or whatever it may be or whenever they went extinct right um i get that part but um but there's still something yes something's making noise right right and you know there's a lot of things we haven't discovered yet yeah yeah. So there could be a giant sloth in the middle of the Amazon. Oh, you giant. I mean, seven foot. I mean. It seven could... feet's pretty big for a sloth. No, it's big. But again, it's not something that could not hide in. Yeah. I mean, I understand the deforestation and everything like that, but there's still plenty of Amazon left. So, yeah. but hopefully there will always be plenty of Amazon yes, left. Yes, that but, is very true. But, plenty yeah. of places for but, it to hide. Yeah. Um, so that is the map and water. No, that's a good story. I, uh, I mean, I'm not saying there's something with a stomach that can eat you, but there's enough there that you're like, well, what is it? Is there a bear? I mean, is there an unknown sloth-type bear that has yeah. not been discovered? I mean, it could be a bunch there. So I don't think this is out of the realm of possibility <laughs> besides the second stomach mouth thing, whatever you call that thing. Yes. Yeah, that might be a little far-fetched. I think so. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. All right. So I am doing a true crime. And you're going to just make everything really dark well, and sad? Uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah. It's um, about a uh, serial killer rapist duo. Oh. I, I'm 100% you're going to know the story. I, we, when, we were, when I was doing my story, I, we talked about this because uh, it's too big of a... I'm worried now. What if I don't know it? I'm going to look like a fraud. Uh, no, no, no. You'll know. Um, it takes place in the late 70s i think it might just be 79 i think it might be the year 79 but we'll get into all that um how i found the story you ask do you do it are you asking yes i'm asking okay your mom (laughs) and and in all the way she did it was she actually um i was looking at one story and i I just mentioned to her we're sitting down i just said i gotta find a story and and she was on reddit and she found these two stories actually of similar similar um background um and when she was reading them and and saw the post it was the reason i think it was uh it, it dawned on her she found this was because one of these people had just died so Ooh. that was why it was you know at the top of the of the, of the list kind of thing um so she didn't read the details i think she just read that headline and then found a little bit more about it and then she just said hey here's a story let me send it to you and thinking like this is perfect for them and and as i started reading more details about it, i'm like okay if she really thinks this is perfect for us we are in trouble because (laughs) i i I don't even know how to say it i mean i heard about about this duo and i was trying to figure out how I or why I knew him and I can't remember if I read him in a John Douglas one of his books or I don't know if it was on Mindhunter but they mentioned there's one particular thing that when I say it uh that I remember distinctly about this duo because it was just it was just gross on what they were trying to achieve and um but I couldn't put my I couldn't figure out where I read it or seen. so but I didn't know any details. I just knew about this one component. Um and they had a nickname. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the nickname till after the fact. Um so let me just put it this way of how awful, evil, oh, disgusting great. these people are. 
John Douglas, this is from him, he described this as, he described one of the killers of the two as the most disturbing individual for whom he has ever created a criminal profile. Just put that in perspective, right? I mean, think of that. It's a lot of profiles too, like to compare that against. Yeah, and just not even, it might have even been his, but just think of all the people he's had to not deal with, with. but, you know, know of, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, now for the disturbing part, and um, this already wasn't disturbing. <laughs> well, I agree with everything he's saying, um, but the reason why I find it more disturbing than any is that they recorded one of the murders. Oh my god! Just the audio, thank God. And I didn't listen to it. I think you can find it online. Oh. Um, but I read the transcript, and it may be the most horrible thing. I have ever read. I mean, I can't unsee it. I mean, uh, when I finished it, you're, actually, your mom was sitting next to me when we were, this was up when we were up, up north. And I, I, I was like covering my face. I was like, oh my God. And your, your mom's like, are you all right? What's going on? I'm like, I, I, this is disgusting. Oh and I just God. shut the computer and I just walked away. I was kind of like, I, and I'm like, I'm not doing the story in this. There's no way I, I can't. It was, oh my God, it was so awful. And then it just took me some time. And I was like, you know what? No, no, I'm going to talk about this. And it's not because I want to lionize these guys by any means. Um, and I'm not going to go into the detail of the killings. Like the, I know you t- we were talking about um, the two you were, you always you always talk about. Uh, uh, Junko Furuta yeah. and Sylvia Likens. Peanuts. I don't know. No, I, when it com- and Compared to this. Uh, the if reco- you haven't listened to it, the recording, episode, it's horrible. That audio recording, mm-hmm. uh, just read, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I, yeah, no. It's, it is truly worse than any fiction, too. Uh, it's oh my God. awful. I, and I'm not trying to hype this thing more than anything. To just give you an idea how bad the crimes were, the audio cassette of the killing, of, of one of these killings, mm-hmm. is now used by the FBI Academy to train and desensitize FBI agents to the raw reality of <gasps> torture and murder. Oh my God. All right. So let's just put that in perspective right there. This is used as a tool. To desensitize. Yes. Wow. This is the story of Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. Oh, I think I know those names. The Toolbox Killers. Oh, I know that name. I don't know any of the details, but I do know that name. Well, I'm not going to get into crazy details. I'm telling you that now. Um, I mean, details of the specific of how they killed people. I think uh, I remember because uh, I, th- I always thought it was Toy Box for some reason. That's um, a different person. That's a different person. That also has a recording. That guy, those are the two your mom sent me. Just so oh you know, just to put in perspective of how your mom thinks well, of Well, the us. toy box is the case that my favorite murder will never cover. They, they keep saying. Yeah, the toy box is a dude so. who had his, like, he, it was years, and he had his daughter um, help him get victims and oh, things Jesus. like that. And he had a, he had a, a car- like a uh, shelter, some place that he built Ugh. that was secluded that... Um, wow. That's where he took his victims and, you know, tortured them. For, yeah. The, yeah, that torture there. But the, the, the audio tape that in that one, mm-hmm. he would play to his victims. <gasps> and it was almost one of those instructional videos of like, this is what's going to happen to you. Oh, so that's kind of thing. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, well, this, this one is the <laughs> actual recording of what they're doing to somebody. Oh, my God. And it is awful. Um, my, the, 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 
sources were Wikipedia and ThoughtCo for the main thing. But I'd used this once before. Um, Radford University has the, the there's a guy who actually has a serial killer database. Oh wow! And he had people write up the they created profiles of everybody. So I just I download those profiles, and now I found another database that is collecting all serial killers information into a profile. It's called killer killer.cloud. Huh. You can, you can I have not heard of that. It, it's not, it, it's good, but uh, it's it just a way if you want to corroborate mm-hmm. things. And the reason I needed to use these were crime timeline. Crime timeline. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to start. I'm going to start with Lawrence first. Lawrence Bittaker was born on September 27th in 1940. Oh, it's 1940 in uh, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania. He was an unwanted child. He was put up uh, for adoption immediately. And he was adopted by the Bittaker family. And the patriarch of that family uh, was in the aviation industry. So they traveled all over the place. And he just moved around a lot. And Lawrence, super smart, IQ of 138, but got into trouble with authorities as early as the age of 12, Um, mainly for petty theft, but he was a habitual offender. Okay. To the point where, well, two things. One, that because he moved around a lot, he, there was no record because they, they, it wasn't like they connected to all these databases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was petty theft, so not that he was this you know, master Crazy. criminal or yeah. whatever it is, but it happened over and over and over again. And he went from petty theft when they got to, I think, I think they were in California, um, 17 years old at that time. He got to the point where he's just kind of like, I'm done with school, dropping out. I think, yeah, I guess it was maybe his senior year. And with all that That's time so in his close. hands, he, yeah, well, he uh, stepped up his activities and got into car theft. Oh, my God. Which mainly, I should say, it was car theft to hit and run and then evading Whoa. authorities where he got caught finally mm-hmm. and was put into the California Youth Authority where he would remain until he turned 18. Okay. When he was released, he discovered that his adoptive parents had disowned him. Just okay. basically were like, um, yeah, we're done and left the state. <gasps> so that he didn't even know where they were. Oh my God. He would never see his parents again. Um, Yikes. Within months of being released from the California Youth Authority, he got in trouble again. He would be caught stealing a car, and because now that he was an adult and because of his past record, mm-hmm. none of that was expunged, he was sentenced to 18 months in Oklahoma, some Oklahoma state prison, so I don't know what it was oh, called. Okay. But due to good behavior, he would get transferred no. to Springfield, Missouri, to more of a medical facility to just deal with this his- There's a lot of different states he's going yeah. to here. So I guess he was in, uh, maybe it was a federal, maybe it was federal penitentiary because he's moving from state to state, oh, yeah. so it wasn't state. Um now, while he was there, he was under medical care with doctors, and doctors would deem him fine and release him in 1960. Yeah. This happens in a lot of our stories. Well, it was car theft, right? I mean, the hit and run, I would think, is a problem, mm-hmm. but I don't think any, but no one was killed. Um, but uh, he would be released. He would make his way to L.A., and by 1961, back in trouble again. This time he was arrested for robbery, and this time sentenced to one to fifteen years in a state prison. Whoa! At the time, he was diagnosed as borderline psychotic and paranoid. Ooh! Right. They also noted that he was manipulative, 
had poor impulse control, and had a lot of pent-up hostility. Yeah, I wonder why. He was released in 1963. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so served less than two years. Oh my god. So he would be, again, he stayed in California, um, less than a year, back in jail again. Oh my god. This time, because of a parole violation, I don't know if it was he had... Whatever. I don't know what the parole violation specifically was, but he was also under suspicion of robbery. They couldn't prove it, but they got him back in jail because he had done something stupid and it was for that violation. Right. So he's in jail, and in 1966, he's diagnosed again, and once again, they're, hey, he's borderline psychotic. All right? And then they release him. Yes. Same year. Release. Same year. But 1967 comes along, and guess what? He's back. Back in jail. For like two seconds. Parole violation <laughs> and grand theft auto, as oh well as hit and run. Oh my God. He is sentenced to an additional, well, additional. He's sentenced now to five years in jail. Oh my God. He only serves three years and is paroled in 1970. Why? He's now 30 years old. Okay. Less than a year later. Oh, <laughs> parole violation again. Back in jail. Oh my God. Arrested for burglary. And other parole violations. And this time, he is sentenced to six months to 15 years. Why? That's such a big window. It's probably because of whatever the things are, right? Guess what? Two years later, he's out. He's released. In 1974, he would be arrested for attempted murder. He stole meat from a grocery store, supermarket. Okay. And walked out, was getting to his car. And when he was getting to his car, he was confronted by a store the supermarket employee wow. and he just decided to stab him <gasps> guy survived what but stabbed him. during his trial they tried to claim insanity because it i don't know if it was for the spur of the moment or whatever it was and a dr ronald markman a forensic psychologist hey, deemed your profession <laughs> dean bideker a sociopath and that bideker had faked all of his previous psychotic behavior oh my god iq 138 remember that yeah i mean I believe that. So he was convicted and sent to the California's California men's colony in San Luis Obispo. For okay. like a year. Um, <laughs> there, he would tell authorities much later that he met his soulmate. Oh, my God. Roy Norris. Oh, my God. Roy Norris. <laughs> Let's find out about him. Born in February of 1948. Some said the second, some said the fifth. And this is what I found interesting. And he was born in Greeley, Colorado, because that profile had one date. Wikipedia had a one date. <laughs> Actually, ThoughtCo didn't even have the date. So they, I didn't know which was which. Um, and the one from uh, Radford was written in 2007. So these other ones that were, were more updated. So I went with whichever. Well, he's got... Some date of birth. Yes. He was born on a day in a year. <laughs> so Roy also was, well, he was born out of wedlock. Um, and then his parents didn't want to have that stigma, so they got married right away. Okay. But he had just of an unstable childhood as oh. as Bittaker. His mother was a drug addict. And he found himself moving between his parents, her family. Her, I think her grandfather was... Not a real estate tycoon, but he had money, so they he had property. So they, so he would be living between her, maybe that some part of their family, or he was in foster care. At the age of sixteen, 
he became uh, sexually aggressive towards an older cousin in her 20s. Oh, my God. And he just tried to basically, he, I mean, he was making comments. He, he didn't attempt rape or anything like that, but it was bad to the point where she shut him like down. Like harassment and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I think he was trying to get touchy-feely and things like Oof. that. Um, so she shut him down point blank and then told Norris's father. He threatened to beat him, which caused Norris to steal his car, Whoa. his father's car, and he just took off for the Rocky Mountains where he attempted suicide by oh injecting God air into his veins oh yeah that can screw you up he was found um you know still alive and was deemed a runaway by the authorities so right that's that is what he is right so they sent him home and his parents told him now these are you know his drug addict mother and his father who i can't remember what he what he did but i think he was blue collar basically said hey you know what roy you and your younger sister we're done with you. And guess what? We're getting a divorce the moment you guys are legal, and we're out. What the? And Wait. We, what, we don't want to see you again. Whatever happened with the younger sister? Well, that's so mean. Uh, again, I don't know if they wanted kids or not, but whatever. I mean, it's not like they were in a... Happy that they should have ha- had kids to begin with. Um, so by 1965, he's 17, realizing that, you know, he's not going to get any kind of support from his family. He drops out of school, and he enlists in the Navy. He's commissioned to Vietnam, but he never saw combat. Okay. And in 1969, he was stationed at a naval base in San Diego. There, he would break into a car and try to rape the woman. Oh, my God. Sorry, a woman's car and try to rape her. He would be free on bail during this time. Again, I don't know if he had a record besides the other things, but he's on bail. The Navy would discharge him, an administrative discharge, due to psychological problems. Oh, my God. Within a year of that discharge, he attacked a female San Diego State University um, uh, student. He hit her with a rock (gasps) and then started slamming her head into the concrete. Oh, my God. He would be charged with assault with a deadly weapon. So he would serve his prison term as a mentally disturbed sexual offender. Wow. So I don't know if that meant he was in the psych ward of the yeah, prison. Yeah, that would make sense, I think. But he's in prison. Wow. In 1975, he would be discharged because doctors deemed him not to be a threat to himself or others. Oh, my God. Within three months of his release, he would attack another woman. Oh, my God. He attacked a 27-year-old, strangling her with her scarf, and he raped her. Oh, my God. He was caught, charged, and convicted of forcible rape. And was sentenced to the California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo. While there, he was almost killed. And I don't know if it was a gang fight. And guess who saved him? His soulmate. Lawrence Bittaker. And he would then tell authorities that Lawrence was his soulmate as well. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, my God. Oh, my yes. God. So they admitted that their connection after he, after Lawrence saving Roy was because they shared the same fantasy of domination through rape and torture. Oh, my God. And yeah, they That's made, what you want to build a relationship on. And then they made plans to have some fun after being released from prison. And this is the line where I just remember reading it somewhere. They planned to kill young women aged 13 through 19 for every year of being a teenager. What? That was the plan. Oh, my God. In October of 1978, 
Bitteker would be released from prison and he gained employment as a machinist. And what's weird is that, well, I shouldn't say it's weird, but he completely blended into society. He was making a thousand bucks a week and Whoa. where he lived, people, I mean, he was the guy. Like they knew he was in prison. No, they don't, I don't know if they knew why, but he shared money. He helped people. He would, if you were in trouble, he got you clothes. I mean, he was this oh my. pillar of this community. No, right? pillar of the community. Okay. Um, in January of 79, so a few months later, Norris would be released. And Norris actually moved back in with his drug-addicted mother. What? Um, in February of 1979, Bitteker would write to Norris to say, hey, it's time. Let's meet up. Let's get this plan going. Okay. They would spend the next, basically from February to June, deciding how to do what they want to do. So at some point, Norris and Bitteker buy a white van, a GM oh, cargo van, which no. they call Murder Mac. That's awful. That's a horrible name for a van. Mac? Yeah. So they figured out how they're going to dispose of bodies, how they're going to ca- you know, deal oh, capturing. And this is interesting because I know we've brought this up in the past. So they spent plenty of time just driving this van around and they they created the van to be soundproof had all these things they could they had the ability that they only had to open the door slightly so you couldn't see in and they could grab you um and bring you in so one person could be driving they'd open the door they wouldn't know there's a second person in the car i mean they had it all worked out they mapped the the mountains the canyons of where they could dispose of bodies and all these other things and they they did trial runs they went out and they try to just help hitchhikers, not hurting any of them. They would offer marijuana, alcohol, all these things, and they would just look for a certain you know type of woman. June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy nine, oh. in Redondo Beach, Cindy Schaefer, age sixteen, was walking to her grandmother's house after attending a church program. Bitteker and Norris pulled up next to her in Murder oh. Mac and tried to entice her to go for a ride. She said no. She said no twice. What the? She was then forced into the van no. and taken to a pre-selected spot in the mountains. There she was tortured. She was denied requests to pray. <gasps> and then the two of them beat, the, beat her and then strangled her to death oh with my wire God. coat hangers. Oh, my God. July 8th, 1979. The duo go hunting for their second victim. 18-year-old Andrea Hall is hitchhiking on the Pacific Pacific Coast Highway. With Bitteker hiding in the back, Norris stopped and offered Hill a ride, Hall a ride. Within minutes after she entered the van, Bitteker attacked. No. He raped her. He took pictures of her. She was bound, and they said, the again, the pictures, you could see the fear in her face. Oh. And as if playing a game, Bitteker would keep asking her, hey, why she should be allowed to live. Oh, my God. And... If he didn't like the answer, which he never did, he would stab her. And in the end, he ended up taking an ice pick, <gasps> stabbing her in the ear, and then choking her to death. Oh, my God. On September 3rd, 1979, they pick up the youngest victims from a bus stop in Hermosa Beach. So the other two, they've disposed in the mountains and in the canyon somewhere. Uh-huh. Jackie Gilliam, 15, and Jacqueline Lamp, 13. Oh, my God. 
were kidnapped and taken to the mountain location where they were both raped and tortured for two days. And as with Hall, both girls were stabbed in each ear with an ice pick. Oh. And then their bodies were, again, mutilated with vice grips. Oh. Then strangled oh, to death God. with a coat hanger that were tightened by pliers. This is... Where Bitteker would become known as Pliers after that. That was his nickname. This is the non-detailed version. Oh, my God. This is nothing. This is not telling you anything. Jesus Christ. October 31st. 1979 they killed their last known victim oh my god this is the recording i'm not reading it but this is the one that was recorded 16 year old lynette ledford was kidnapped i don't know if she was hitchhiking or what the what would happen or, or how they captured her but her body was mutilated in so many ways i can't even, i'm not going to say she was stabbed multiple times um oh pliers were used her body was ripped apart. Oh, my um, God. So, again, they recorded it. During her torture, her screams and pleas were um, repeatedly said. There were questions being asked. She was beaten with a sledgehammer. Oh um, all this time, she's pleading for her life, doing whatever they ask her to do. Whatever, just And at one point, she just asked to be killed. In the end, the pair strangled her with a coat hanger. Now... All the other deaths were Bitteker killing. Mm-hmm. Norris is the one who actually strangled her in this one because Bitteker asked him because he had n- not killed in the past. Right, because then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I knew that detail. Um, in this case, the way they disposed of the body, they didn't go into the mountains. They didn't go to Canyon. They just decided to have some fun. And they left her corpse on a lawn of some suburban home in Hermosa Beach. Oh, I knew that. I knew that. Yeah, detail. Just to see how the media would react. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this now. And you gotta remember, at this time, the Hillside Strangler was well around and had just been caught. Actually, I think a couple days earlier. Oh wow! A jogger found the body um, the next morning, um, but of course they did not connect it to the Hillside Strangler because they had been caught the way the, the how long the body had been deco- um, decomposing that kind of thing they knew it wasn't it wasn't one of right, yeah. um, this one of the stranglers but like kills. that fear is still there right right so now the police knew because they found Ledford's body but they had no idea about these other four mm-hmm. right in November of 1979 so this is that next month Norris just happens to run into an old friend from prison from uh, the men's colony mm-hmm. named Joseph Jackson. And he tells him everything and then he goes to the police. Norris is conf- confides into Jackson about this plan that he and Bitteker had, right? About the teenage girls, one year, one for every year. Explains what they've done to five already. Oh my God. And explains how, you know, what they did, raping this, that, and everything else. And even talks about victims that they had abducted that um, they let go. So Jackson talks to his lawyer. His lawyer's like, you go to the police right yes. away. Oh, thank God. So he goes to the authorities, and a detective, Paul Bynum, from Redondo Beach, is assigned to the case. And he's listening to Jackson's story, right? So this is, you know, this is hearsay, right? He's told, he tells him about these five girls that have been killed. No names, but just that they've been killed. Um, and then he tells him about this rape that had happened and what actually happened and the details and the events. And as Bynum is listening to this, he's kind of like, okay, this is, 
there's some similarities to things that I've seen or heard of cases. Mm-hmm. There was a rape reported on September 30th where mace was used on a victim and that she stated that her two assailants were in their 30s and they were driving a white van. And Jackson was talking about the mace component. So he's like, okay, well, there's some legitimacy to what he's saying. And then the other was about the murder of Ledford, where he disguised a disguise. He discussed some of the gruesome details of the murder that were never released never, oh, to the. To I love the, when that happens when they like they're like, oh. So Bynum sends detectives to go visit that rape victim from September 30th, and her name is I don't know if this is her real name because others use different names. Mm-hmm. One was Shirley Sanders. One this one is a Robin Robeck. So they probably didn't release the name. That's fair. And she immediately identifies Bitteker and the rest from mugshots. Yes. Okay. So with that positive ID, they put them both under surveillance. Okay. On November 20th, 1979, Norris is arrested for dealing drugs. So he'd been on a corner like they, they catch him and that's a parole violation. So they immediately bring him in for that. Yes. At the same time, they arrest Bitteker, um, but they arrest him for the rape of Robeck. And also because he has drugs on him, that's a parole violation. He's arrested. Yes. Now, they bring Bitteker and um, Norris into a lineup, and they bring Roe back in in front of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Can't identify him. What? Nope. No. Can't. She does not give 100% identification. No. However, because of their parole violations with They're drugs- still- they're in jail. Like they, this is this sends them back. Like they don't. There's no question about even going to a trial. So they hold them in jail. Okay. And now they start working around the case. Good. Right. So Bynum goes to search Bitteker's hotel room. That's where he was staying at the time. He didn't have a home, and they find several Polaroid photographs, which were determined to be depicting Hall and Graham, oh who have now been reported missing. Well, okay, I mean two, that's right? pretty solid evidence. Inside the van, they discover a sledgehammer, plastic bag filled with weights, a book detailing how to locate police radio frequencies. Oh, my God. Two necklaces that they confirm belong to two of the victims, and a tape recording of a young woman in obvious distress, screaming and pleading for mercy while being tortured and sexually abused. Inside Norris' apartment, the police discover the bracelet of Ledford's, um, uh, her bracelet, basically. Right. And and they realized it was a souvenir. Oh my God. On November 30th, Norris has a preliminary hearing on the Robeck rape. So Bitteker's already been charged. Now they're going to bring a case towards um, Norris. So Norris is kind of like, all right, you know, he doesn't know what's really going on because he's just been arrested for Drugs, his parole violation. Right. So at the hearing, he, he waves his Miranda rights because he knows he's going to jail for this other thing. Right. But then they start questioning him about Robeck. They start questioning him about um, these, what they find, this thing, mm-hmm. Ledford, all this other stuff. And Bitteker at first is trying to play coy, this and that. I mean, not Bitteker, sorry. Um, More, Norris no, is trying to play um, coy about it. But then he starts just confessing and oh starts God. saying, I mean, he's, he's under pressure. They said he was physically, physically upset. Um, but he starts saying, it's Bitteker. I, this wasn't me, you know. Yeah, no, I wanted to rape girl, but the torture, the killing, the blah, blah, blah. That's all Bitteker. Oh, my God. So he explains how they would tour Redondo Beach. They would try to pick up attractive girls. They tried to entice them for, with marijuana, try oh to party. And he said it always failed. They never really came in. 
and they said, I think he said it was over a hundred girls that they tried to um, proposition that never went down. But they also show other evidence. They found an additional, um, additional Polaroids in that group of mm-hmm. nineteen girls Whoa. total. Five were known missing from the the ones that, they, and then so another fourteen. And Norris is like, I don't know anything about these others. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know oh. what happened to them. Blah 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 blah. So Bideker too was shown these, and he's like, I don't, I don't know what happened to them. We did nothing. You know, these were just. We just took pictures of of girls. So with all that coming down and now the, that they know and Norris knows that they're caught, Norris agrees to help find the bodies of the other four girls that okay. were missing. And Bitteker, what is he doing at this point? Bitteker is still like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. So they go out to the canyon, to the, to the mountains, and they can't find any of the bodies. Oh, so didn't help him didn't help norris in any way right right february 9th 1980 oh the skeletized bodies of lamp and gilliam are found those are the two youngest oh, ones. oh yeah the 13 and 15 and when they find gilliam's skull <gasps> the ice pick is still stuck oh in my her ear. god yep. so now they have bodies two bodies they have a weapon and they charge both Norris and Bitteker yes. with the murders of the girls. Good, 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 good. good. Bitteker is denied bail flat out. Okay. Norris actually has bail set at ten thousand dollars. I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but um, again, I think he was always adamant that he wasn't involved in and the he was murders. Like trying to help them technically. On March 18th, Norris pleads guilty to four counts of first degree murder, one count of second degree murder, and two counts of rape and one count of robbery. Okay. In return. For him agreeing to a plea deal. Like death penalty off the table? He will testify against Bittaker, oh. and they will not seek the death penalty, okay. yeah. nor will he have life without parole. Well, he better not parole him. So. I don't like the face you just made. <laughs> he better not get paroled. On April 24th, 1980, Bittaker is arraigned on a total of 29 charges of kidnapping, rape, sodomy, murder, in addition to those uh, charges, criminal conspiracy and possession of firearms. So, you know, they have all everything they can get they're going to throw at him. On February 17th, 1981, with the help of Norris's testimony, and um, the jury gets the case to deliberate. It took 90 minutes for them to come back and return a verdict of guilty. Okay. And the prosecution sought, you know, the death penalty. He showed no... Emotion, no remorse, or anything so throughout. So they gave him the death penalty. They gave him the death penalty, but even throughout the trial, and even when the verdict was um, uh, read, nothing. He was like, just stone cold. Wow. On March 24th, Bitteker is formally sentenced to death. So there's, you know, that's what they recommend, but, you know, they have to do the final thing, right? right? I hate yeah. the death penalty so much. So the judge, this is, so even though he's been sentenced and now given the death penalty, mm-hmm. the judge also sentenced him and imposes the sentence that if ever the death penalty is off the table, he's immediately reverted to life imprisonment. He wants to impose an additional amount of uh, sentencing. So it's not just life imprisonment. It's life imprisonment plus then 199 years. Holy um, mother of God. And that would take immediate effect. So basically, they're like, you're never getting out of jail. We don't care what happens. If the laws change, this, that, whatever it may be, 
the you, you have the death penalty and then this as well. Wow. So Bitteker appeals a death sentence multiple times and is pretty much successful prolonging his life. He and he tries everything. Like he starts sci- doing f- uh, lawsuits about you know I had. I don't know. I'm vegan, and there was you use chicken broth <laughs> oh in your food, God. so this is against my. This is cruel and unusual. So he's using everything from the death penalty about cruel and unusual to get out of everything. So no matter how he's treated, it's cruel and unusual to him. Oh my okay? God! On December thirteenth, two thousand nineteen. Whoa! December nineteenth. Lawrence Bittaker. Holy mother of God! Does not serve the death penalty. What? He dies on death row. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> in the San Quentin uh, <laughs> State Prison at the age of 79. He is reported to have died of natural causes. Wow. Norris was up for parole in 2009. And he did not get it. He did not. Oh, thank God. However. What do you know? His next parole hearing would be 10 years later in 2019. No. Yeah, he didn't get it, right? He didn't get it. Okay. He is currently incarcerated <laughs> in Dunham State Prison. Oh, my God. Now, there is another casualty caused by Bittaker and Norris. Okay. In December of 1987. Okay. You know Paul Bynum, the chief investigator in the Bittaker-Norris murders? Mm. Remember the guy who yeah. said oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. committed suicide? <gasps> because of this? He was 39 years old. Oh, my God. In a 10-page suicide note, Bynum specifically referred to the murders committed by Bittaker and Norris as haunting him and of his fear that they would be released from prison. No. And that is the story of the Toolbox murderers. Murderers. That is horrible. Well done. Lawrence Bittaker. I'm scarred. And um, again, I don't know how to say it. The, that, oh God, that. The audio, again, not that I heard, but the transcript is unbelievably disgusting. So, yeah. So, there you go. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Going into 2020 with some positive energy, clearly. Yes, yes. Well, I have a really nice fun fact, so. All right, good. Let's lighten it up then. Okay. So, my fun fact is about, like, the existence of another cryptid. Okay. Um, that It's not big enough for a story, but I think it's kind of kind of neat. Um, so this is about the bloop. <laughs> the bloop? The bloop. Have Sounds you heard like of a it? Doctor Who character. It kind of does. <laughs> right. Um, so the bloop was an ultra low frequency, high amplitude underwater sound detected by the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, in 1997. Huh, okay. Uh, and so the scientists couldn't identify where or like what creature the sound came from. So they thought, like, it's got it. And it's a huge creature that would have made this noise. Okay. So they were like, it must be a different creature that we haven't discovered yet. So they named it the Bloop. <laughs> and so it's still undiscovered. People still don't know where that sound came from. But of course, people have been like, what could this thing look like? So people have made like different drawings and types of things. And. I would like you to see the drawing, please. All right. Are you ready? And who drew this? I don't know. Some person only. So it's just a random person. It's like it's like well done drawing. It's okay. like gonna. Ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me see. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but have they heard? Have they heard the sound again? Not that I know of. I listened to it. It's kind of underwhelming. It's just a bloop 
It really just is a bloop. <laughs> well, that picture just looks like a, uh, yeah, it's it. It's just a large fish-like creature with a Don't big, worry, this will be put on our uh, yeah. Instagram. It's got a ginormous mouth. And like the little diver right there is I know, it's funny. so tiny. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's going to be um, <laughs> on our Instagram. I just thought that like when I was researching this, um, it was like list of cryptids and I saw bloop. And I was like, wait, what is well, it's this? Well, ama- it's interesting if they haven't heard the sound. So I mean, you know. Yeah. I didn't go too far into it. I just thought that that would be neat to I'm talk about. I'm just shocked that it's not something that's natural, like seismic or something. Was there I mean, earthquakes or was there, you know, something that happened in the ocean around that time? I don't know. That's, I mean, that's research, and uh, I, I like the name. Like Bloop, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's such like a, a sweet name for such yeah. a ginormous creature. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that's it for the fun fact. Fair and enough. then if you want to see that, that's going to be posted on our Instagram, as well um, the other like photos I was mentioning, um, and that is at everything in podcast. And then our Twitter is at between underscore podcast, and our Facebook it's a group and a page, two different things, both by the name of everything in podcast. Um, at everything in podcast or everything in between podcasts you know it you can find it you can do it uh if you have your own fun facts that you want to submit please do so uh our gmail is everything in podcast at gmail.com you can also submit them through our website which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com um it's really cool fun stuff there if you have other things you want to submit like story suggestions uh or um experiences that you've had true crime paranormal all that stuff send them in we'd love to read them um i usually do the social media second but i did it first this time so we can skip (laughs) right ahead to if you're listening on a platform that allows you to do so please rate review and subscribe um it will be very helpful and it gives us a nice boost in our egos (laughs) uh and then lastly all of our episodes are titled after songs that we feel like represent our stories and we've compiled those songs into a playlist called the soundtrack in between that you can find on spotify so check that out uh after you're done listening to our podcast on spotify go listen to our playlist i'm gonna gonna use papa o'reilly just because of the teenage waistline Uh, oh yeah i just i it's the only thing that came to mind, and not that it was good, but I was like, all right, yeah, well, that's definitely it. So. Yeah, it definitely fits. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, back to light and happy things. <laughs> so, happy new year. Happy 2020. Happy 2020. Uh, good things coming. We hope. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Bye. see you next week. Bye.